local people about local issues. Every day, The Morning Drive with Kurt and Anthony on FM 96.3 and AM 620 WVMT. Welcome back to The Morning Drive, everybody. Kurt and Anthony here on this Hump Day Wednesday and Valentine's Day. Happy Valentine's Day, everybody out there. And now joining us in studio, it's Chris Hazley, and he is the second independent, well, you can call it first or second, two independent candidates. Will Emmons was on yesterday, and Chris Hazley is on today. Good morning, Chris. Hey, Kurt. Hey, Anthony. How are you doing today? Thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks for coming in. We appreciate it. And Chris, you were on the show one time before when we were talking about the whole redistricting process. You live downtown, but again, let's start out with, uh, tell us a little bit about who you are for our listening audience. Uh, so I've lived in the city of Burlington for about 25 years, a longtime renter. Uh, I serve four terms on the Burlington Board of School Commissioners. I currently serve on the Ward 3 NPA, uh, the Neighborhood Planning Assembly, uh, and I'm a current Church Street Marketplace Commissioner, and I've served on a number of ad hoc uh, committees established by the City Council. So you've been pretty involved in, in the city. Um and what made you take the plunge and decide to enter this race for mayor? Uh, you have two candidates who are in the race, Joan Shannon, longtime city councilor, Emma Mulvaney-Stanick, city councilor, state representative, chair of the Progressive Party at one time. What was it? Obviously, there was something about the two of those that didn't. you didn't feel. What do you feel was missing that you, needed, you wanted to, and needed to enter the race? Well, as you've uh, observed, there were a number of issues that simply weren't being talked about. Uh, the city is facing some significant fiscal challenges. Our one and only uh, municipal auditorium has been shuttered, and we're dealing with um, a lot of infrastructure that's just really aging, and there doesn't seem to be a plan to deal with it. And so how do you propose dealing with it, with some of those issues that you felt were not being addressed? Well, I think we need to look you know, at the spending side of the equation on the fiscal uh, side. Uh, during the time that I was uh, trying to qualify for the ballot and out gathering signatures, I spoke to a number of folks across the city, including uh, some retirees up in the New North End, and they very clearly indicated that these uh, tax increases just are not sustainable. And I learned a long time ago as a renter that higher taxes equal higher rents. And I think that we really need to do a better job of how we're spending the taxpayers' money uh, and look at how we're um, you know, spending money on consultants and things like that to make sure that we're spending the money wisely. Do you think, uh, are you concerned that the budget has grown uh, to the extent that it has over the fat past few years and the positions in government have grown? Uh, obviously, the mayor's proposing a three-cent property tax increase. He's calling it a public safety tax increase. Um, and they have $3 million in proposed cuts, but we don't really know what they are yet. Um, would you try to go beyond the $3 million in cuts, even though we don't know where those cuts are coming from? Uh, how would you handle that if you if you take over as mayor uh, in the first Tuesday and first Monday in April? Well, I, th- I think we tend to take a broad view across the city and see what the positions are, how they were created, were they created as part of the regular budgeting, or were they were created with one-time grant money, and are we now on the hook to try to fund some of those positions? Um, but I think we need to have a good process there and try to engage with the stakeholders to see how we can whittle it down and you know properly right-size government so that it provides the level of services that people are expecting, but at the same time in a manner that the taxpayers can afford. Do you agree that uh, public safety policing slash public safety issues are the number one issue in the city of Burlington right now? No. What, do you, what is the number one issue? Affordable housing. Affordable housing. 
what would you do about affordable housing? Well, I, I think you, when you look, talk about housing, that's kind of the root cause of some of the public safety issues. And it kind of, you know, once you lose your housing, it sets in motion a chain of events. It's kind of like a series of dominoes falling. You lose your housing, and even if you are employed, it becomes difficult to maintain a job when you don't have housing. If you end up out on the streets, oftentimes will lead to anxiety and associated mental health conditions uh, that can oftentimes lead to substance use disorder. Um, and I think at the end of the day, the reason that Burlington and a lot of our uh, municipalities are in the situation that we're in is because the legislature has been failing us. And when you look at the way that they're approaching the issue, such as the hotel program, they're really effectively treating the symptoms and not affecting the cause. And that's you know quite a bit like trying to heal a gunshot wound with cause. It's just simply not going to work. Uh, and and as mayor, how would you how would you change that dynamic? I think we need to engage with the legislature and tell them, you know, address the root cause. And for a number of these folks that are dealing with mental health conditions and substance use disorder, we've recognized it's a mental uh, medical condition and medical conditions require medical treatment. And we simply do not have enough beds and we should not be relying on the private sector to build out our capacity. So I think in my view, I'd like to see the state have a very serious conversation about establishing a new 100 bed hospital for the purposes of treating substance use disorder and mental health conditions, because it's very clear that we simply don't have enough beds and putting people in a hotel without offering them any kind of treatment at great cost to the taxpayer. And I think the number was around $3,800 per person per month doesn't resolve the issue. So we really got to get to the root cause of this and deal with those issues um, and, you know, give people the medical treatments they need. Uh, I want to, Chris, I want to ask you the same question that I asked Will Emmons yesterday. Um, would you agree this is a long shot candidacy by you or do you think, do you think you can win this race? You know, I've been getting support from a lot of unlikely places. I'm just going to get out there and play my game and keep talking to the issues and we'll see what happens uh, on town meeting day. And obviously instant runoff voting is in place now uh, and the mayor's race for the first time in over a decade. Uh, do you have a, if you were talking to voters who were going to choose you as their first choice, would you advocate for, for their second choice? Well, you who know, you think their second choice could be, should be. So the way I approach it is, is I'm got into this race, not to engage in personal attacks, but to compete in the marketplace of ideas and uh, talk about some of the things that hadn't really gotten a lot of attention, um, you know, in recent weeks. And, uh, you know, I tell people, if you like what I'm about, I'd love to have your vote. But if you more closely identify with another candidate, then you should vote for them. It's really that simple. It's called democracy. And if they, you know, you have a preference uh, for a second choice, feel free to rank it. And if, you know, that's not the approach you want to take, then, you know, vote as your conscience dictates. I think um, I, I think you very logically have mapped out root cause. Thank you. And and I I, uh, I, I agree with you there. They're thirty eight hundred dollars a person a month to put them in a hotel. That's a lot of money that could be used uh, wisely. My 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 question is, um, and you, you talk about let's let's talk about the city of Burlington and what you can do as impact as mayor of Burlington. Do you feel that the city is trying to take on too many um, initiatives or or things that are outside their scope? Is that part of the spending problem with with when you say look at the spending in, in the city of Burlington? Are there specifics that you that you think that may be beyond the scope of the city's ability? Um, I think it's more about looking at how effective we're spending it. And we're spending, you know, millions of dollars on different programs, and we need to make sure that they're uh, getting results. we got a call for you. Let's go to the phones. Good morning. You're live on the morning drive. Uh, I actually wanted to say I really like what you said about the – in the beginning about fiscally being more responsible – Allocating funds correctly because we're wasting money on a on an excessive rate in in Burlington, but 
And I also agree with you about needing more housing and, and, and a hospital for people with mentally ill. But do you still agree, though, that, that there is an issue with some crime and that there are some people that need to be held in jail because they're constantly committing crimes? And I'll listen off the air. It's a great question, Chris. Question. It's something that uh, we've talked to with mayoral candidates about before. They've been asked about this, which is, is the general philosophy. Do you think that people should be allowed to violate the law, whether it's shooting up um, in the City Hall Park or different places in Burlington? Uh, Joan Shannon and Emma Vaney-Stanick have clearly different ideas here. So, as the caller said, do you think that incarceration should be a part of the equation? Well, again, I think we need to go back to the root causes here. And as I understand it, there's a small group of people that is well known to the police. They're responsible for a lot of the lower level issues that we're seeing, particularly uh, in the downtown core. And again, a lot of these folks, uh, not surprisingly, are struggling with the substance use disorder issue and or mental health condition, and they're not getting the treatment that they deserve. But on the other hand, there's another group of those folks, and these are the people that are, I believe that the clinicians refer to as service-resistant. And this is a part of the uh, conversation that I've not heard a lot of folks talk about because as a patient, you know, you operate from the premise that, okay, it's a medical condition. A patient has a legal right to refuse treatment, and a number of them have done so, and we need to respect those decisions. But at the same time, we need to recognize and acknowledge that those individuals still need to play by the rules as everybody else. So if an individual decides to refuse treatment and then goes out and engages in behavior that infringes upon the rights of others and causes harm to the community, well, the next time we encounter that individual, I think we give them a choice, either go to treatment or go to jail. Uh, well, we, well, we need to go to break. So we're going to take wait a, for my a next real question. quick two-minute break. Uh, and uh, we're talking with Chris Hazley, uh, independent candidate for mayor of Burlington. If you've got a question for him, the McKenzie Country Classic. Food. The only place for local talk every morning with Kurt and Anthony. News Talk WVMT. Welcome back to the Morning Drive, everybody, on this Hump Day Wednesday. Val- Happy Valentine's Day, everyone. Um, we're talking to independent candidate from Burlington Mayor Chris Hazley. Continuing our discussion now. And Chris, um, I know that you heard you were out in the lobby and you heard the the uh, interview we did with Derek Brower from Seven Days. Uh, I want to give you an opportunity to comment on what's happening in Burlington on St. Paul Street at Decker Towers. It is a uh, uh, just an awful story for the tenants that live there, for the people uh, who are sleeping overnight in the stairways, uh, needles everywhere. Uh, there's some violence, and now they've started sort of their own. Um, committee that's going to try to deal with the issues on their own uh the police can't be there they don't have the staffing to be there all the time and it's a, it's an all the time problem apparently what's your thoughts on that you know again we're dealing with a number of folks who are unhoused as a direct result of having an untreated you know substance use disorder and i think there's a number of these folks that would like to get into a treatment uh, facility they simply don't have the beds and part of the problem here in vermont is that um vermont medicare i believe only pays for up to two weeks of inpatient treatment and that's enough to get somebody detoxed, but it's not really enough to get them on the path to recovery. So we need to look at that issue as well. But when you look at the bigger issue and go to back to the hotel program where we're spending $3,800 per person per month uh, without treating the cause, I look at that and I say, you know, our approach to houselessness and is um, not only not working, it's it's needs to be completely re-engineered. And we wait till someone is out on the streets before really offering them any kind of help. And that's one of the most expensive ways to deal with it. And 
more importantly, it doesn't lead to good outcomes for people. So in my view, we need to move away from trying to solve homelessness and houselessness and move towards an approach that tries to prevent it. And instead of spending the $3,800 uh, without providing treatment, maybe divide that $3,800 up eight ways and give eight different people or eight different households an additional $475 a month that they could use to put it towards the rent to help them keep the housing that they have, which I believe will, one, be more cost-effective all the way around. But most importantly, it's going to lead to better outcomes for people. And we've got a call. We'll get to the call in just a moment. Um, We know everybody talks about there needs to be more um, uh, attempts to deal with this on the front side. But at the same time, we have issues that are right there in front of us right now. And while there are people that need help and treatment, there are also people that are willfully dealing drugs and that are in in there with tenants that are dealing drugs. They have trouble evicting people that are that are known drug dealers that are that are part of the problem there. How would you deal with that? So I think it begins with access control first and foremost. So my brother lives in San Francisco, uh, where they have similar issues. I think on a little bit of a larger scale. And uh, one of the things that struck me when I visited him this past summer is that they have an individual there uh, at the front of the building on the ground floor, basically checking people in as they come in and say, "Who are you here to see?" Okay. And in order to get in the elevator, they have to swipe a badge. They have to have the resident come down to the lobby and get them. The resident has to swipe a badge to activate the elevator, and then they have to choose the floor um, to where they're going to go. And the buttons for the elevator are not inside the elevator. They're on the outside at the ground floor. So once you select the button on the ground floor, you get in the elevator. It's like if you choose floor number 21, you're going to floor 21. You can't just change it up and say, I'm going to go to floor number 14, or I'm going to stop off at floor 18. It's like you get on, you go to floor 21, and, and that's how it works. Does enforcement need to be a big part of the equation? We know we talk about all the other legs of the stool, so to speak, but does enforcement also have to be a part of this? Um, I think that uh, that's certainly a part of the equation. And I'd like to share a quote from the uh, civil rights activist, uh, Robert Williams, who said, but where there is a breakdown of the law, the individual citizen has a right to protect his person, his family, his home, and his property. And I think that that's kind of the direction that these folks are going based on uh, the response uh, that they've received to these issues. And I think, again, going back to, if you know, looking at, like, access control, um, that might help to uh, ameliorate the problem. Let's go to the phones. Good morning. You're live on the morning drive. Morning, gentlemen. Uh, my concern with, with one of the comments that the uh, speaker was saying about was hire consultants. I think we're over-consulted in our state. Uh, we've got people coming in... Uh, just like this gentleman, oh, my brother's from California, you know, and, and I'm saying to myself, as many other taxpayers in, in Burlington in the state are saying, is uh, we're seeing programs from all these other places, and they're not working in the other places. It's obvious. Uh, even here, like the Decker Towers, maybe it should be we have a, a, a private contracting come in and just say, okay, you people are going... Uh, to this place, and if you don't like it, that's the way it is, because we have the ACLU or civil liberties, but we don't have civil responsibilities. Maybe uh, maybe we ought to think about that. You know, it, what, what's happening in the state with all the taxes and all, all these things looming in the back of every, every legitimate taxpayer's minds is that it creates an anxiety situation for our people. Okay, our we're running out of time here. We right? need to get to so, Chris. So that's it. 
Thank you. Right. Uh, he makes a great point, and that's exactly what I'm saying, is we need to look at how we're spending our money. And, you know, if we're spending a lot of money on consultants for certain types of services, maybe we need to look at, okay, what are those services, and do we have an opportunity here to develop that talent in-house and maybe create it? And I think one place where I think there is an opportunity is maybe we should be looking at creating a citywide project management office to oversee some of these various projects. Uh, I know you have problems with the tax increase. Let me just ask you, Will you do you support the mayor's three cent tax increase on the ballot? Will you be voting for it? I won't be voting for it. You'll be voting no on that increase. And uh, what about what about the uh, the twenty twenty resolution? Just because we asked other candidates, we want to make sure to ask you too. Twenty twenty resolution by the city council that that essentially defunded the police through attrition, but it did end up with a reduction of about forty percent of our department. If you'd been there, then would you have voted for that? If you'd been mayor, would you have vetoed it? Well, I, I think the issue here is there's some fundamental misperceptions about this, and people you know, often like to blame the progressives for this and say they defunded the police. And I don't know if it was so much a defunding as is they created a climate such that people just don't want to work here anymore. And we also have to remember that this is one of those rare examples of a true bipartisan decision. You know, the uh, uh, progressives, you know, they skated the puck in, into the, the zone, and it was the Democrats who put it across the finish line. So... I think there's some responsibility you know, all the way around, but at the end of the day, the decisions that were made, it created an environment where people were kind of going home at the end of the day going, you know, I, I don't really feel valued and appreciated, and, you know, why am I doing this? And, and that's when you're feeling like that, it doesn't matter what you're doing for a job, that's usually a pretty good indication that, well, you know, maybe I need to go try to find a fit, better fit somewhere else. And so is it a mistake to pass a resolution like that that did call for re- a big reduction in the police force without having clear data when it comes to public safety? I think you're absolutely right, Kurt, that we do need to be making our public uh, decisions on the basis of facts and data, um, not necessarily ideology or you know raw emotion, but uh, on facts and data and looking at how that's going to play out. Uh, Chris, we've got maybe about a minute and a half left or so. Why don't you give Burlington voters your best pitch on why they think you think they should vote for you and also let them know where they can contact you? Yeah, so uh, I think the first thing is, is for the first time in over 40 years, we've returned to a two-party system in Burlington, and that creates some real structural issues because in a two-party system, you have one party in power, and then you have another party you know, in opposition, and that typically, as we've seen over the recent years, leads to a lot of division and doesn't always lead to good outcomes for the city. And as I've listened in on a lot of these conversations, I've seen good ideas come from a lot of different places. I like that the progressives have really focused on trying to prevent this and identify root causes, but at the same same time, the mayor and the Democrats have identified some structural issues with the law that needed to be addressed as well. Uh, and I think there's merit to both approach. And I really reject the idea of all these issues being framed in some kind of binary choice. The answer is all of the above. And so as a mayor, if I had that honor, uh, I would be trying to take a more of a facilitator role, look at more stuff more as a coach, trying to bring people together and bring out the best uh, of everybody and try to find solutions that bring us together and focus on what's going on. And I think if I were to move into the corner office, one of the first things I do is I want to sit down with the individual counselors and say, hey, let's identify two or three things that you want to work on this year. Let's see where we have common ground. And then based on those conversations, try to come up with a framework on how to move the city forward uh, as part of an annual plan. And how do people reach you if they want to give you a call and ask you a question or contribute or whatever it may be? Uh, I, give me a call, 802-578-6144. All right, Chris Hazley, independent candidate for mayor in Burlington. Thanks for being on the morning drive today. Thank you, Kurt. Thank you, Anthony. Thanks for coming in. Um, all right, we're going to take a quick break. We're going to check in with ABC News. Uh, Amanda's got the headlines. We've got the Max Advantage forecast for you. And then, of course, we're going to have a, a legislative update from uh, folks at Downs, Rackland, Martin coming up 
right after this. Keep it here on